Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing. And that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. So, Also joining me this week, the legend himself, Lavender Gooms. Hey guys, and as always on this day, I always love to wish you guys, as everyone knows, a happy National Macadamia Nut Day. Are you saying like Tuesday is Macadamia Nut Day or Monday is Macadamia Nut Day? Just so I'm clear. Well, Monday, September 4th is National Macadamia Nut Day. It's good nut. I don't know why you you always do the day we record, which means only shit to the two well, of us. Look, yeah, I was going to say, I, like, I give, for, like, the five people that some, hear it. <laughs> I give myself some, some leeway, right? Because if there are really shitty days on that particular day, I'm like, all right, I'll go sure. with the day people actually listen to it, which will be the next day. Uh, today, I like National Macadamia Nut Day. But you can understand as a listener, <laughs> they're like, oh, it's Macadamia. Oh, that was yesterday. I, I fucking missed it. I yeah. missed Macadamia Nut Maybe Day. Maybe there's some deals oh, yeah, at my local nuttery so I can get some deals on Macadamia. It oh, no, that was appropriate attire. He's got like a little, I mean, that's kind of a Hawaiian-esque shirt, I would say, right? Yeah, Macadamia no. Macadamia would... Nut's known. It's it's definitely a um a fish unofficial last day of summer. There's only going to be so many days left here in New York City where we're above 85 degrees, and this shirt soon enough is going to be laundered, folded, and put back into one of my suitcases and not to be seen again until about May. Well, there you go. Well, you're rocking it today, so good on you. Well, you know Thank what? You. For September 5th. Which is Tuesday. Want to wish a happy birthday to Werner Herzog, being on some excellent sure. episodes of Parks and Rec and directing Grizzly Man. That kind of messed me up a little bit when I got to the tail end of that documentary. Felt real bad for that dude. Uh, wasn't he? Wasn't he also in an episode of The Boondocks? He was, or at least they. If it wasn't sure. him voicing yeah. himself, it was definitely someone being Werner Herzog. Oh, uh, okay. But I think it was him. That's. I mean, he seems like he gets it. You know. And uh, happy birthday to Saka. Shout out, homie. Taking out Manchester United this weekend. Go Arsenal. Fuck, man. Since we're, <laughs> since we're talking about September 5th, I might as well give you two pretty good days from September 5th. Considering that should be happy, what you did to begin with, yes. Like I, I go back and forth. But we have happy National Be Late for Something Day and happy <laughs> okay. National Cheese Pizza Day. Okay, there you go. I wanted a food, Mike. I wanted something I could eat today. <laughs> yeah, so Mark can go to Costco cheese tomorrow, get that cheese pizza oh, that's got a quarter inch uh, at least of cheese on it. And I can pick it up late and be like, hey, it's September 5th, get baby. That. We're doing it all today. Yeah. Make sure to take it with them lactate pills, man. Yeah. Oof. I had I has some dairy this weekend. I had a fair amount. And I didn't realize just how much dairy I had until I realized I was just like farting all day yesterday and i was walking my girlfriend into best buy and you know how sometimes you think you're about to have that that silent one Ooh, i let one rip she just turned around like did you fart and i didn't have a great poker face 
<laughs> Way to go, buddy. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> um, all right, boys and girls, we're going to talk about UFC fucking something fight night. That was in Paris uh, where we, you know, some French people won. We really didn't learn anything about... We didn't learn much, in my opinion, about some of the... I guess we didn't answer the questions I had, I'd say, for Mr. Gone. Mostly Mr. Gone. Miss Fioro, I think I learned a little bit. Though I was kind of well aware of what we were dealing with there. Uh, we're talking a little bit about that card, um, which really wasn't all that good, you know? And, like, on top of that, homeboy homie got his house robbed while he was, you know, beating up Sergei Spivak. Poor Cyril Gone, you know? Maybe pay for Simply Safe. You know, that alarm system that I hear on all the podcasts that just goes off. It's You can set it up in less than an hour. Just saying. I know they're not paying him shit, Mark, but we can do something. Let's get some alarms going I don't here. Know, was, this, was this a net loss for him on the night? Did he make more on the fight than he That's got? That's a fair question. Did he get a, if he got, if he got, you know, they don't give that crypto.com money anymore. So maybe he did. They don't. When did they stop doing that? Probably when crypto.com <laughs> hit the fucking, you know, iceberg. I think would be around the time they decided that. Um, but you know what, man? All the money he didn't get for wearing The Rock's shoes, just know The Rock is still asking people to donate money to Hawaii rather than using that money to pay for it, you know, pay for that himself. Anyway, we're going to talk about UFC Paris. Uh, we're going to talk about some news that happened this week. Um, not a ton. Um, then we're going to make our picks for what is on paper one of the worst UFC pay-per-view cards in recent memory. And I I don't want, I, don't, I think a lot of times we, I say stuff like this, Mark. And I wonder if I'm just like repeating myself about bad cards and stuff. But in terms of pay-per-views, they're rough, right? Like th this one's yeah, pretty there's, rough. There's tears. I mean, I think most of the fight nights we would say a lot of them aren't up to, to our quality necessarily to invest a lot of time. But the pay-per-views, they're asking for a premium, right? Like it's a yeah, lot you're of asking, we 80, do expect you're asking me to pay you $80. That's a that's insane. That is, I was talking to my brother about this because he was just like, "Is this the worst UFC pay per view on paper ever?" And I'm like, "Ah, there's been some bad ones." Mark went to one in Sacramento. It was pretty bad on paper. Um, but I said, I told him, I think you gotta like, there's gotta be some sort of standard here. There's gotta be like some sort of like, for eighty dollars, I get this. You know what I mean? And, like, I, I'm not saying it has to be two title fights. But, like, fucking this free card next week is already better. This UFC Noche mm -hmm. thing. It lost, uh, we lost Shavkat versus somebody. I forgot who even. And then, you know, we lost Ponzinibbio versus Daniel Rodriguez. Those two should just fight each other, by the way. Shavkat and Ponzinibbio. But, like, it's still better, I think. Just, like, even the top two fights of, you know... Grasso, Shevchenko, and Holland, Della Madalena is better. But UFC 293, main evented by Izzy Adesanya, who is doing all of the promotional lifting. All of it. Every single one of it. Mark, if Mark was fighting Izzy Adesanya, it sells the same number of pay-per-views as Sean Strickland fighting Izzy Adesanya. If Izzy you Adesanya, don't want to throw us into fighting. A lot of your comparisons, like if he fights uh, Mark fun. or Mike. I'm fun. trying to say like anybody. If Izzy Adesanya <laughs> fought a broom... Honestly, my sell more than Strahd Strickland just for the spectacle of it. Okay? That's where this that's where it's at with this card. Okay? Um, but they fucking sold this thing out two months ago, three months ago. The second on sale dates happened because they are just abusive towards this Australian fan base who is so desperate 
to see them once a year when they show up. Um, and then we'll do a little stuff we like, and, uh, you know, mostly I'll be talking about wrestling and how uh, CM Punk can't keep his hands to himself, and now he has no job. Um, but let's go from there. UFC Paris coming to you from the uh, Acor Arena in Paris, France. 15,000 15,610 people paying a, uh, with a gate of somehow exactly $4 million. They definitely didn't just say a number. That is the number of people exactly. Um, average price of $256 paid by these people. Let's say that it was close to $4 million. You get $250 a person. You know, that's chump change because they're going to be getting fucking four times that amount in New York in three months. Um, Cyril gone. Mark, there were a lot of questions. There were a lot of questions about this man. Um, this was, I think, as I told you, this he couldn't lose this fight. He really couldn't mm -hmm. lose this fight. And motherfucker made sure he didn't lose this fight. Uh, quite frankly, a near master class perfect performance by Cyril Gaon against Sergey Spivak, who I will uh, chime in with my thoughts on his strategy uh, later on. Um, but essentially, Mr. Spivak was a punching bag for the entire second round and a lot of the first round. But Mark, what did we see from um, fucking just just an excellent kickboxer in Cyril Gaon? Yeah, no, we got another great display, um, you know, of his technical ability on the feet a lot. I mean, mostly impressed with his footwork um, and again, just his confidence, you know, the, the way that he approaches the fight game is is very unique. You know, he's very relaxed in there especially when it comes to the striking and his physicality and athleticism is you know probably some of the highest in the heavyweight division that I i've seen personally and um you know spivik could not deal with those you know attributes he really had a hard time initiating any kind of grappling regiment whatsoever there was only one takedown where he got in on a single and was able to apply some kind of pressure to attempt to take serial gone down all of his other attempts serial i mean and and this were you're kind of saying where you didn't get a lot of to take away. Like we didn't see him use a lot of techniques to get out of these takedown attempts. A lot of them, like he was running and jumping and you know using his footwork to get out of the way of the takedowns completely. Um, I mean, sometimes when he even got in a single leg, he literally would be jumping and springing off the cage just to try to get himself loose. Um, but he also uh, dis displayed, you know, in in one uh, you know um, transition a, a good sprawl. He yeah, it was he, he was credited with stopping the one takedown attempt. Is what they gave Spivak <clears throat> credit for. Uh, two seconds of control time for Spivak, which I don't know when that happened. But nine seconds of control time for Gone. I guess again, I don't know which part of the fight we're talking about there. But, but um, he, he sprawled and took his back for a second. Ah, that's like, true. Oh, he did do that. Uh, hundred hundred. By the way, he landed a hundred and ten strikes. Landed a hundred and ten significant strikes, basically in near less than nine minutes which is holy fuck, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of those strikes, I mean, as a seasonal, as a seasoned striker, like he is like a lot of them were probing shots. A lot of them were feeling out shots. A lot of them are like these little late kicks where you're trying to get a, you know, they're not even like faints really. They're, they're, they're thrown out there, but they're not necessarily there to, to land hard. So that's why the, the, the output was so high and his, you know, uh, conditioning was fine. Like he, he was in complete control. He didn't outburn himself. You look at those numbers and be like, well, you know, like he might have been putting on a killer pace. But a lot of it are these little probing shots here and there. 
And then he picks his shots to really explode. And, you know, off that sprawl where he took his back, he landed a great liver, um, a knee to the liver. And from there, did a lot of good work to the body. I mean, he worked the body throughout the rest of this fight, you know, and targeting the legs as well. And then going up to the head to, to, to kind of mix it up. And, you know, eventually, I think the, the finishing sequence in the second got a little, I think, a little sloppy for as technical as he is. Because he basically just reared up in the end and hit him with like five six seven right hands where he was literally just holding with his left and just punching yeah, him it was Marcus, almost like i wouldn't WWE accuse a man punch. of uh giving up or anything but it did feel like spivak was kind of done for the whole like two minutes at least leading up to when the fight ended where i was just like we can i think one of the announcers even said like yeah this is where he puts it on him because like it was like sergey kind of looked defeated like i don't know what his plan was and fuck i really don't know like because he's always, I've kind of like enjoyed Sergey Spivak, what he's been doing on this recent run, which is like, and Laura Sanko, God bless her, best commentator this fucking company has, refers to it as the wash cycle, where Sergey like gets you against the fence, gets you down, lets you get up a little bit, gets you down back again. And just, it's a fucking, just a constant process. Yeah. And like, what's the first thing you said? Get him against what's the, the first fence. thing you said he did. He couldn't do that. I do. I he like didn't. Cons it seemed every, like there was no plan B. On any every level. time he got him, every time he got him on the warning tracks, the inside of the cage, gone would pivot left, shoot right, mm -hmm. and this and, and Spivak moved forward. So anytime he he switched his, it's foot, like he was like moving he was in molasses. He was he going so yeah. slow. I mean, <laughs> and and that's the thing. That's like when we talk about the heavyweight division, we've talked about it for years. Like. Guys at Gon's level of athleticism don't go into MMA because if you're not a French dude that's as big as this guy is and that has the footwork and the agility and the athleticism, you go into football because mm -hmm. you're going to make fucking money. And also because like, you know, the education system kind of gears you that way. I, you probably get, you know, um, recruited in that direction. But I mean, I maybe because of he came from France, he ended up in kickboxing. He, and now he didn't get into combat sports, they said, until he's 27 years old. I want to get Mike in on this. Mike. Um, what That's was your crazy. takeaway on this, um, on this performance? Do you think you learned, we learned, do you, do you think we got anything that we thought maybe gone has made any adjustments and Tom Aspinall was there and Tom, and they're talking like Tom Aspinall's fighting Cyril gone next. Um, what do you think of that matchup and how many units will we be betting on Tom Aspinall with that? I'm kidding. But what do you think of that matchup as well? Um, <laughs> well, to that question, I will say I probably won't be betting. Uh, I lost a fair amount of units on the fight that we'll be talking about next. Fair point. To the first question you asked, um, did we learn anything about Cyril Ghosn in this fight? The short answer is no. The longer answer is we already knew he could do this on his feet. Um, nothing really happened where we could, where he essentially got tested to see if uh, if he if he's worked on anything when it comes to his takedown well, defense. Well, Mike, so is it? Are we asking? We, am I asking it, the wrong question? Just, it, just to finish my, right. my Sorry, point, um, it was a masterclass in what we already know he's good at. I guess my question should be like, oh, it's not that he's like, does he not stop takedowns? Uh, he don't get up, right? Is that the real issue? He doesn't get up when he gets taken down. Um. And I guess we're not going to see that, I guess, until he gets put on his ass, right? Like, and I don't know. I mean, Tommy Aspinall is a really well-rounded fighter. 
um, good on his feet, good I, on the I, ground. I, I, I think what you learn is that like the Spivex of the world can't do it. He's still he's still going to beat those guys. Like, we had to, we had to see like look is this guy is he at a level where he can beat the Spivex or are they going to even these guys going to be able to take him down and control him and we learned like no he can he's definitely at a level where he can yeah beat because the people Spivex, were questioning every fight beyond that people were questioning every win because they're like has he fought anybody who can do any right. of these things until he got to like I mean I don't think people were being unfair Mark either um, and uh, like I mean and Mike uh, I mean people were acting like I mean he got taken down by a man with no ACL at will. Right, and then his ne- and then he almost got clipped by Ty Tuivasa, which whatever happens, and then he fought John Jones, and it was one of the worst championship performances anybody had ever seen. So I'm not sure people are being harsh necessary necessarily, but I guess we learned the man is still. You got to be good to beat him, right? Yeah. 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 Um, you learn that he is in the top echelon of the UFC heavyweights, and by top echelon, he's probably. The second, at worst, at worst, third best heavyweight in the UFC. That's what we learned. Yeah, see, and we learned he's in that I, class. I'm going to say that's not really something we learned. That's something we already knew. We already knew he was one of the top guys. We were just wondering about his ground game. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's up there in that class with him, um, Aspinall, and uh, other Sergey Pavlovich to contest contenders to Mr. Jones. Um, we're all kind of assuming Stipe is retiring either way in November, right? I'm assuming we're all on this page together. I'm assuming, right? Because it was, what are we doing? It seems like it's head that direction for sure. I don't think he would have came back if it wasn't for this fight, honestly. Um, yeah. we'll see. I do like the Aspinall fight. I'd like toss Aspinall's got some big balls and it sounds like Sergey Pavlovich is the backup fighter in November, but that's a waste mm-hmm. of everybody's time even announcing that because there is 0% chance Okay, that if something happens to Stipe Miocic the week of that fight, John Jones is fighting Sergey Pavlovich, right? We all learned this. No, I mean probably. He, yeah. Also, he should never take this that fight. He also shouldn't take that fight. You should not. The idea of a backup fighter in a title contest. I mean, all respect if someone takes the fight, Mark. But like, I've been training for a fucking professional cage fight where the difference between me and lo- me losing and me winning is going to affect my paycheck by an order of 10 probably going forward and I'm supposed to fight a guy on like I did not prepare for like no <laughs> no John Jones isn't an idiot so I hope Sergey gets a check for being the backup right that sounds nice um Marcus co-main event not Marcus sorry Mike co-main event Rose yes. Namajunas I'm not trying to I'm just going to you because Rose is our, hey look I lost <laughs> I, lo- I bet I bet on the French people cry parlay is what I called it, which is uh, Rose wins and then Sergey wins. Though, if I'm being honest with you guys, um, I was 100% going to cash out if Rose had won because I'm not going to put my money in the hands of Sergey Pav- Spivak. Um, Mike, um, Rose broke her hand or at least finger in the first round and was switching it stances. It appears in her finger. Yeah. Well, right. someone said hand, and I was like, look like a finger. You know, Fingers in the hand. I mean, especially like I broke my hand. The whole hand kind of swells. Just saying, you know. Um, even besides that, I remember talking to Mike while the fight was happening. Mark to while the fight was happening, and my thing was just like the hand was one thing, but she's also just not seemed big enough for this weight class. Like she just did not like. I know she put on some like she looked yoked, 
She looked noticeably stronger, smaller than uh, Menon. What what was your takeaway of the fight beyond just the injury? Well, I will say I still do think the injury did have an effect because she was very, she wasn't, she was very hesitant on throwing that hand the same throughout the first, um, first and second round. She started to start let it go in in the third round, so I do think it had an effect. Uh, but she was noticeably smaller than than, Mane- than Manon. And you could see it in, in the strikes. Uh, when Firo would would hit her, um, some of them you could see no- noticeably, uh, visibly um, affected Rose. And they had much more stopping power than when Rose hit her. Does that have to do with the fact that Rose's, uh, Rose's hand was compromised? It could have, but it did look like one, one of those classic examples of someone is just much bigger in the ring and is able to impose their, their will. You ever win the third round, Rose? Because I did. I thought you won the third round. Yeah, um, I, I did. Um, I don't know if it would have gotten better if it was a five-round fight. Um, at this point, Rose has been in five-round fights since... What the last six years or so? I think it's like twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Whenever she fought, uh, um, Jesus, Joanna for the first time. I was gonna say the only uh, no, the only non five round fight I can remember her being in was maybe when she fought Andrade again, like the second time. Maybe was a mm. non. I mean, unless it was a fight night main event too, it could have been a five rounder. But I know like when she fought her the second time. But yeah, she's been in five round fights. She might have more five round fights than like three round fights at this point. Like, mm-hmm. um. Yeah. Marcus, what'd you think? I mean, because for me, Manon Firo, I kind of, I knew her. I think I would watch more of her than you guys, but I know you watched a bunch of her before we picked also, and you did pick correctly, partly because you're like, so much a pick the fucking favorite. Um, But I don't think she's great anywhere, but I think she's just a well-rounded striker with some, I mean, the numbers have shown she's got pretty decent takedown defense. Do you, I mean, this weight class is in such flux, but where do you see her in the hierarchy right now with the, you know, we got people like Santos, Blanchfield, um, the champions fighting Shevchenko next week or in two weeks. Um, there was one other person contender. I'm now, I'm now blanking. Tatiana? No, Tatiana's 115, I think. Okay. Um, but I'll, I'll think about it. Go ahead. But like, what do you, where do you, how do you think she falls? I might've been thinking about her quite frankly, Fioro, but where do you, uh, where do you think she falls in the current landscape at 125? I mean, she's definitely up there and this was a, a, a big win for her, even though, you know, Rose was an unknown, an unknown in the flyweight division, but a lot of her strengths are, you know, like, like you said about the main event is things we kind of knew. She's a really good, I mean, when you say like, you know, she's not good. Anyway, she's a good striker. She is a good striker. Well, I said she's and not I think great. Physicality. I think she's a very good. I would even say she, in this division, she is, I would consider to be one of the greater strikers in the division. But I do think it's her physicality and her aggressiveness is that like, is really one of the things that makes her stand out a little bit. And, you know, when you look at this weight division, not a lot of the girls are built like she is. I mean, you look at Rose, like, yeah, she's leaned out a little bit, but like Monroe is like, she is big. She's she's really filled out in this weight division. And you look at like Alexa Grasso, Aaron Blanchfield, those girls don't have the physicality that uh, Mono has or even like a, a, a Santos has, right? Like that's another thing Blanchfield really had to push up against and did well against was fighting someone with that physicality and was able to get her tired, you know, because when you're carrying around that much weight, um, and you're pushing the action, you're pushing a lot of the clinch, you can, you know, gas out. 
Um, Manoa looked good in this fight. You know, she looked very strong. She has a really good, you know, fighting from Southpaw. She looks really good with her lead right jab and, and right hook. Um, and then at the end of the day, it was kind of, you know, Rose being somewhat compromised and still, you know, doing a good job in this fight. She was still very competitive in this fight, but it did seem like she couldn't use all of her tools. And even in the weight division below, I think one of the things that Rose was really good at was utilizing all of her tools in the stand-up and her striking and especially both of her hands. And when she's throwing those combinations, she's very deadly. And I think taking that away and having her be kind of one shot at a time really negated a lot of her effectiveness. So it'll be interesting to see how she bounces back from this and if she stays in this weight division. I did, I, not enjoy, Stag, I did not enjoy Pat Barry's corner work. When Pat was like, oh, you yeah, that was, that was horrendous. Don't throw, you don't need, we don't need these kicks. I'm like, the fuck we don't. The kicks are landing. Throw the fucking kicks. This girl's not taking you down. Like, she wasn't going to take her down. And, and there's also the thought as well. He's saying that when Rose has a compromised head. I didn't like the, I, I, Pat has had some, like, Pat was like, when she was, the Carla fight was happening. And Pat was just like, this yeah. is going right to plan. And I'm like, is Trevor Whitman not in this corner? Oh, look, I know you want to hear, like, maybe hearing it from Pat is good but like maybe pat asked the guys what are your thoughts before he's just look pat knows more about fighting than i'll ever know okay and he's one of the nicest people we've ever met okay but i was not digging the corner work you know mark i really wasn't mm -hmm. yeah i mean i mean i'm i'm I, I do remember saying, you know, forget about the finger. You have to ignore, you know, the injury and stuff. But yeah, it was just, it was unfortunate. You know, it was, I think on paper, it was always going to be a tough, close matchup. And then early on having that, that injury, I think did kind of compromise things. I think she fought through it as well as she could. Like I said, she had a good third round. I think there's a lot of things she could learn from this, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, what she does here because, you know, this is going to be a difficult weight class for her, you know, going. I would have so, liked uh, Fioro maybe to, target other parts more she did okay to the body but like rose was the only one working the leg rose did, was doing well to the legs like she landed i think it was like 13 14 leg kicks i think is what they said or something like that so anyway um the rest of this card um the french people there seem pretty excited about um benoit saint denis and that was a fun fight while it lasted him and tiago moises were throwing down um that was cool um, apparently I heard all week about how bad Bogdan Gustav was. I'm not trying to be mean, but everywhere I heard was that Bogdan Gustav is not good and he has no business being in the UFC. Um, so I did bet heavily on Volkan Ozdemir, uh, because of that, which I, going into it, I was like, how the fuck's wrong with me? I'm betting this much on Volkan Ozdemir, but, um, Mr. Gustav's strategy of blocking punches with his face was not great to say the least. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, I think it was the Jacqueline Cavalcanti fight where she got eye poked both eyes at the same time, double eye poke. That was, that was rough. Right. That was real rough. Um, UFC, I'm sure will be back to France in a year. You could just pencil these same two people in being on the top of the card. Maybe Benoit if he wins a couple more fights, huh? This is just, it's like Bisping in England back in the day, Mark, right? We're going to England. We're putting Bisping I mean, in the sure, top of the, the card. Let's do this thing. Those are stars. They're looking bright so so far. So yeah. who knows in a year's time might have some some gold around them. Crowd, we'll crowd really was uh, into it too, man. The crowd really got up for like the top like three guys there, like Benoit and uh, Menon and. Uh, yeah, it was an excited crowd. 
And they, uh, they were happy for this car. They loved it. Gobbled gone. It <clears throat> All right, let's talk a little bit about the news. Um, so real quickly, if you're like robbing athletes' houses while they're on TV. I mean, this is come on, man. We shouldn't rob anybody. I guess is what I should go with. But like, I feel bad for Cyril Gone. As Mark put it, it, did he? Was it a net loss? Honestly, was <laughs> it a net loss? He's lost 150 grand worth of stuff. You know, I mean, it just seems like you're rolling the dice a lot. You don't know what kind of homeboy might be sitting there with a gun, like, "Yo, here's a gat." Well, I guess you know, in America, that's important. I was gonna say in America, you just hang a guy with a shotgun to sit on the fucking porch with a fucking in a, in a chair. Yeah, like, home right. invasion always seems real. I mean, you know, there's so many security cameras now. These it's a ballsy move. Um, some other news. Uh, something I got really excited for, Mark. I know you are too. I'm sure Mike is as well. Laura Sanko making that UFC pay per view debut as a, on the commentary team. Well deserved. Um, no Good Rogan because Rogan don't travel. Um, Rogan got a nice life, man. I'm just gonna go to Vegas, or it's pretty much I'm going to Vegas, Florida, or New York at this point. <laughs> That's where they fight. Them, where they wrestle. Where they fight in this country. Um, Sanko's probably the best color commentator they have, right, Mark? Like, I really enjoyed. You know, I haven't. It's not like I've listened to a lot because I think she does the Dana White Contender series. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't, Listen to that. There's a lot of stuff she she's done. She's just really good, man. Heard. She's just really but good. But the ones I have heard, I've been really impressed. So you know, I do hope she makes a you know a good splash here because you know there's a lot of sexism in the world and stuff like that. So I really I you hope, know what, hope people give her about that sexism thing. And I know UFC is flawed on about a hundred different levels. But I was thinking about this. This might be the only sport where we do not treat the women. Yes, sir. It, even in boxing, you know what, man? Rounds are shorter. And I stuff. don't know if they're getting paid less, but nobody's getting paid in this fucking sport, so who knows? But like, they are treated exactly the same. Like exact, the rules are the same. Nobody bats a fucking eye if the main event is a woman. Like nobody. Kevin Holland's fighting Jack Della Maddalena. Shavkat is fighting on that card in a week, and nobody's batting an eye because Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso is the main event. So, man, I mean, a lot of things this sport has that like. Is terrible. That might be the thing where it's just like, hey man, if you're a woman, whatever. Like I remember, yeah. remember, I remember the first card when Ronda was going to main event, and people are like, she's going to main event over Dan Henderson versus Rashad Evans. And I remember thinking that fight's not going to be good. Why are people complaining? And then um, they asked Dan Henderson, and Dan Henderson's like, yeah, I don't want to fight five rounds. That was Dan's only answer. It's like I'm not trying to fight five rounds <laughs> for just for no reason. Anyway, you became a superstar. Yeah, exactly. So good yeah. call. So yeah, Laura, uh, man, congratulations to her. She's she's excellent, and maybe DC will learn when she explains the rules and judging to him. Um, makes me sad how bad DC is at this. By the way, like it's just it, makes it, me it, sad. But like you said, it's just it's it, it's really DC and Rogan. It's like when you get those two knuckleheads together, they really kind of feed off each other. It so. seems somehow DC might be DC worse. Outside. Is the sad part. It's like DC yeah. is somehow worse than Rogan when they get together too. Anyway, um, some other news we got. Um, Conor McGregor, congratulations to him, man. Uh, first off, Mark, I've you've been noticing lots of Conor in camp. Like, dude looks like he's trimming up. Lots of of him in the gym with his teammates makes me think we might actually get a fight soon. Yeah, he's but, supposed to be fighting, so we'll see. I mean, yeah, it's almost like you think they would have signed the fight before the reality show. Conor McGregor, black belt in uh, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu now. His head coach, uh, longtime coach and friend, John Cavanaugh, awarded it to him. Connor says he's been on the mats for 20 years, Mike. So 
20 years on the mats. I think Connor's, how old's Connor now? 35, 36, 35. 35. Yeah. That lines up. Uh, people being real shitty in the comments. Not that I'm saying people need to be nice to Conor McGregor. He's much deserved much of his insults. But like, I don't know, man. Sure, he choke all our asses out. So <laughs> good for him, right? Like, <laughs> And def- definitely so, considering he is now a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Good for him. 20 years doing anything. It's nice to be rewarded. You put in the hours, man. You put in, what is it, yeah. uh, the 10,000 hours, uh, dude said? Um, yeah, exactly. I forgot his Malcolm name. Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah, the guy with the fro. There we go. Um, good for him. And then uh, sounds like Jared Cannonier is going to be the backup for Izzy versus Sean Strickland. We'll get to that fight in a moment here. Um, and besides that, Mike and I were peeping the egregious prices for uh, <laughs> this UFC <laughs> These UFC tickets in Madison Square Garden. Marcus, like, it, if you want to sit anywhere in the lower level, minimum $1,000 before Ticketmaster gets in on you. Yeah. I mean, it's Madison Square Garden. It's a big event. I'm not too surprised. I mean, we went the last year. For, I don't. <laughs> it was not I mean, how, much. Well, what, what's the realistic seat? So it's like two, three, four. So Mike and four, I aren't positive about this because I think we paid, we paid $500. I remember that last year for Izzy versus... uh. Pereira, okay? And I don't remember if... So I'm not positive if the seats we were in last year are now $607 or $807. Now, were these the worst seats, though, or were these decent seats? I think we were in, like, the second level to the right a little... I had never paid so much money for seats that weren't that we, good. We were definitely higher than lower. Yeah, that, that's a good okay. description. Okay. That's good, yeah. Okay. And we weren't in like the second to last row like we were for McGregor versus Mendez. Right. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, there were cheaper seats. It was just on the other corners of the stadium. You know, corner's the worst sure. seat. There wasn't, you don't mean the fucking corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, this company owes ESPN a lot, man. Right? Like, I think they owe ESPN a lot. And honestly, they were good partners for ESPN because while everybody else was worried about health and safety, the UFC just kept putting on fights, man. So... That really was big for them. Well, but, you know, maybe one of these, uh, maybe this lawsuit sort, sorts out things a little bit and some of these fighters get some of this money. But we'll see. Uh, Mike, did we mention the amicus brief thing on air? Or was that just before the before the podcast? Do you want to talk about that? No, that was uh, that was before the podcast. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and, why don't we go ahead and talk about that real quick before we move on? Uh, yes. Yeah, so what Bobby is referring to is um, an amicus brief brief has been filed and for those of you that don't know what an amicus brief is it's essentially when there's some legal issue that's up let's say in congress or um a case is going to be heard let's say in front of the supreme court um interested parties will file a brief basically saying well for these legal reasons this is why the lower court was wrong or this is why you should go in in this direction and uh it was the ufc no it wasn't the ufc that uh filed the amicus brief who was it again the uh very business friendly chamber of commerce (laughs) chamber of commerce yes uh so the chamber of commerce filed an amicus brief um in support of the ufc in uh their current legal uh legal issues yeah uh, they were their arguments are not great, but they're just saying, "Hey, man, 
you, you're trying to cost us all money here, giving these people like money back, huh? What are we doing here, huh? What what are we doing here? Um, last bit of news, and I guess it's news, but Dana White really made this a thing when it wasn't one. I guess it's an as an effort to somehow justify this uh, not giving a title, uh, skipping over Marab and. I guess Al, not, no one out here thought Aljo was getting a title shot, but going to Cheeto Vera, you know, picking the sixth ranked guy as a title contender, where he was trying to like, he pretty much invented a controversy between Marab and Aljo not wanting to fight and yada, yada, yada. And very clearly, Aljo and Marab this week were both like, uh, we both just kind of feel like one of the two of us should get a title shot. Just looking at the rankings and how this all, you know, all that. So, and then, um, I saw O'Malley was making fun of, because he went to the UFC PI or something to meet with Dana White. And, and Marab was in the, was it was raining in Vegas. Vegas has been raining on and off for like a month. And Marab was outside shadow boxing and, and Sugar Sean tried to make fun of it. And a lot of the comments I read was like, you should probably fight him, huh? That, that, the number one contender's outside. You're going to go meet with the boss. Why don't you just say you're going to fight the guy you're making fun of? Um, oh, was so was Sean there yeah. when he was doing that? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That I think so. Bit, That's why it was described to me. Yeah. Well, because because outside of context where it is just him shadow boxing in the rain, it's just like, well, just go inside, dude. Like, what, yeah, I guess he doing? was there you're, you're to meet with Dana White or something. Okay. But like, all right, yeah, all right, like, that, that. and look, I'm not saying Marab's definitely going to beat him, but like, that's. That's you guys have this. They make up. They have this own shitty ranking system, and I check it every couple days, just waiting for the day where they just move Marab. They just move him. You know, just move him down the line a little bit. Because right now it says one Sterling, two, Dab- two Marab Divashvili. Okay? And it still says Marlon Vera at six. And there's a lot of guys in between there, Mark. And I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, and he it, said it, he'll it, find him. He, Marab literally said, Marab is like, I will be healthy. And quite frankly, if he's not healthy, this seems even better, like, for them. He's I mean, well, I think it's. It's pretty obvious that Sean doesn't want that fight necessarily. He wants Cheeto, and it seems like the UFC doesn't want that fight, him and Merhab, right? So Dana's pushing this narrative like, oh, this indecision of like, he wants his best friend to fight, but he also wants to fight, and no one's taking the fight. So I'm just going to scrap all logic and then just do what the, the, the champion wants. I think they just they see maybe Cheeto as a, a better pay-per-view selling fight potentially. Maybe they see it as an easier fight for Sean, which I still think is a tough fight for him. And I think they, I think ultimately what they see is like Sean O'Malley has just become a star. Let's not fuck. They this want up. to milk it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Marab is probably going to fuck well, that up. But I think too, well, he that's might an win. interesting fight. There's a story yeah. and he might win. Yeah. Like why, who are we? And, and ultimately at the end of the day, you're the champion. Like you need to be fighting the bet. He's going to have to fight him at some point, whether it's his next fight or the one after, like you can't dodge this dude forever. So What's the point I mean, in dodging them I at just, all? I, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not calling anybody scared. And again, I said this last week. I don't think anybody's scared, okay? But you got to make Sean the right choices. Like he won't fight him. He's just like, but, I want to Sh- fight Sean's running buckets. a bit. All these guys are running a business, okay? Yes. You are running Sean O'Malley. L- I hope these guys all have LLCs, Mike. For the love of God, I hope all these guys have LLCs. But he's running Sugar Sean LLC, okay? And for Sugar Sean LLC to make the most money at in fiscal year 2023... And making the correct financial decisions, it is likely a better choice, no matter how little sense it makes, right? Because he lost to this guy, is to fight Cheeto Vera, right, Mike? Like, that is the f- correct financial decision. But, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 what's your butt? But, like, these motherfuckers are really going to spit on your head and tell you it's raining. Like, 
right? Like, come on. Like, let's not lie to ourselves about what's happening here, right? Look, the game isn't, they're not trying to get you to believe what they're saying. They're just saying what they're saying because they know it just has to be said. They don't care if you believe it or not. That's depressingly accurate. <laughs> well put, my friend. Um, and I guess he wants to fight on the on Connor's card. If they put Sean O'Malley and Connor on the same card, that sounds real cool. I would like to that see sounds that. Sounds like a pay per view. Yeah, that sounds like you get my money. And maybe if you know Sean O'Malley doesn't get thrown in the air like a pizza pie by Marab during that pay per view, it's probably better for them. So I would just yeah, like to I see mean, Marab is as tonight. tall as me, bro. This dude's six foot tall. I would like to see what happens, right? Like Marab is like okay, maybe sure. he's not as tall as me, but like. I don't know, he's 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, he's not that tall. Like <laughs> We didn't think he'd beat Sterling, and he he, yeah. he became a star because of it, right? And if he if he beats Marab, then it's like, oh, this dude's undeniable. Like, if, if, if he wins that fight, it's like, oh, this wasn't... I mean, and I don't think a lot of people are even thinking Sterling's a fluke. Like, he pieced it together. He got the punch. He got the win. That was the job. He succeeded really well. If he's able to do it against another guy who we already thought was like... I mean, I personally thought like, Marab might be better than Sterling. Like, I kind of think he's one of the best in the division. If he goes out there and starches him, then it's like, dude, us even having these conversations, we look like fucking assholes, right? Like, we're like, oh, he's dodging. Like, I said he dodged him. If he goes out there and smokes him, I will look like such a fucking idiot. It's like, oh, no, this guy's just the best. Hey, he, man, wanted, he wanted it, that win back. A lot of so. people thought Connor on the way up was dodging, like, Chad Mendez, I remember. And I remember when Chad Mendez, he had to fight Chad Mendez. And yeah. everybody looked like a big dumb dipshit when he knocked out Chad Mendez in that second round, right? Like, yeah, I'm happy to eat my words, dude. I, I don't again, like, I don't think it's again like he's scared of him. I think he's just like him and Tim, because yeah. I don't think I don't think like, Sean is so anti MMA manager. I love it. Sean himself, I actually kind of yeah. enjoy. He kind of seems to like when he talks real. He seems like a smart kid. I kind of enjoy him. Um, yeah, but like he's got to make the right financial decisions. And him fighting, like, if he has to fight Marab, also like. Maybe he needs more than four. Like, we might need a little bit more time for that fight because, like, sure. this kid, the kid, not that the kid has bad cardio. I would never say Mar Sean's got bad cardio, but he looked like he was going to fucking die at the end of the Peter Yan fight. And this dude has, like, the best cardio in this weight class. He t he attempted something like 50 takedowns against Yan. Like, <laughs> and we know now in the Sterling fight, he didn't get the grapple. So it's like we knew the Sterling yeah. fight. We all thought like this dude's probably grappling all the time because yeah. that's what he's going to have to attest with. That's what he's going to – if he gets past Sterling, Marab's the same thing. It's a very similar style. Like wrestling and, and grappling is probably top yeah. on the regiment. And we know like he didn't get to train any of that. So now he needs another training camp to to learn those P's and Q's even better to combat it. Yeah, all this is wrestler. coming much faster and more often. Like, all that stuff you didn't get to train. I mean, Mike, yeah. the guy stuffed the one take. Remember when O'Malley stuffed the takedown against the cage? And I felt he was almost so happy he did. He lost focus for a moment. And then uh, Aljo clipped him immediately. Remember? Like, they separated. Aljo, like, Aljo smacked him. And he almost Sean was just like, oh, <laughs> this guy can punch, too. I forgot. <laughs> Look, man, you can't begrudge a man for being happy to see his hard work paying off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, <laughs> the miracle that without grappling, he blocked the takedown. Again, if he fights Cheeto, it's gonna be it's gonna be a sick fight. Um, him being a two to one favorite over a guy he got knocked out by, I know he got injured, but I don't think the injury just kind of like didn't Cheeto. Am I mis misremembering this fight? Did Cheeto not kick him into injured? Yeah, like we're acting like that didn't like it's like when Woodley like kicked Carlo Con Carlos Condit's ACL off, and people were like, "Well, he was hurt." I'm like, "Well, he he did that to him." Like he hurt him. <laughs> he hurt him. That's the whole point of this. Do. He tried. That's the whole point of this. You hurt him and you ended it. You know, GSP hurt Josh Koscheck, jabbed him 600 times.
No one's saying that didn't count. So I don't know. Uh, if Cheeto, Cheeto versus Sean sounds like fun, especially Cheeto being a bit of a slow starter, um, which kind of what happened in their first fight anyway. Cheeto came on a little bit later on. Um, I'd love to see that too. I like, I would like him to fight him. I'd like him to fight. Um, uh, I sorry, someone just messaged me in the middle of the fucking podcast. Um, Cejudo, not so much. Not Cejudo. I don't give a shit about Cejudo anymore. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know if Cejudo is going to fight enough for me to give two shits uh, about him. And I was a big Cejudo guy, but I need to know you're active. Um, Sanhagen is the one, right, Mark? That's the fight. Sure, I that is the one I want to see. I think there's. I think at the end of the day. Sean became a big star. There's lots of fun matchups for him still. It's interesting how this is lining up because of the contenders that we have and the narrative that's playing out. But like any of those fights, any of those four guys, I think is a very compelling matchup. And and Sean's on the rise. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how how yeah. brightly he can shine and for how long. Because give it like two there's years, a lot of tough fights. Two or three years from now when he fights Song Yadong, if he's still champion, I'm gonna be very excited for that one. Oh, but I mean, yeah, I that, fucking that love Song. Happen, but... I love Song Yadong. I'm still angry, Mark, that they ruined Song Yidong versus Rob Bond. Just they broke that fight. Just for, you know, we had to watch. Mm -hmm. I mean, God bless Sandhagen. He heard his shit, but like, that wasn't exactly what we wanted. <laughs> um, all right, let's do, uh, let's just do, unless I miss something else, let's do, uh, let's do, uh, make our picks. But I think I hit all the, you know, all sure. the relevant news. Um, yep. UFC at the Quados Bank Arena, which. It does not feel like the place they always go unless... Oh, Sydney Superdome. Okay, it's the same place. I think they just keep... They got a new sponsor. My bad. Sure. Um, the Quados Bank Arena, UFC sold out. Say, like, 20,000 seats, I think it holds. For, quite frankly, a garbage card on paper. Um, we talked about it in recent weeks, how they, for some reason, booked every Aussie fighter they had two months ago. And here we are. Um, so, um, we got Sean O'Malley... Sorry, Sean Strickland. Got Sean O'Malley on the brain. Sean Strickland taking on Israel Adesanya. Um, a fight that opened... Um, I just had it in front of me. God damn it. Best fight odds is letting me down, boys. They're just, like, moving. Like, there's, like, multiple UFC 293s here on the same website. Um, you still looking for the odds? I, I was looking for the... Looking I was for? trying to find the opening odds. Because um, I thought it opened at, like... Yeah, here we go. It opened at minus 430. Which is when we all should have bet on Izzy, Mike. Which is when we yeah. all should have bet on Izzy. I see minus uh, where be us being a bet MGM podcast minus six hundred. Though, quite frankly, the places I the place I go is minus seven hundred. Uh, other places minus six fifty. Um, people do not see a conceivable way for Sean Strickland to win this fight. Which is, you know, man, weirder shits happen. I mean, maybe not, but weird shits happen in MMA. Shit happens. You could lose. You know. You know, John Jones doesn't make it. John Jones doesn't makes it to the end of that round with a bone sticking out of his toe. Chael would have been light heavyweight champion, right? That could yeah. have happened. So things have happened. Um, Izzy Adesanya roared back um, from losing his title. A roared back is the best way you could put it, and fucking put out Alex Poatampahea back at UFC two eighty seven. I think. Um, Sean Strickland, on the other hand, um, got smoked by Pajeda, then lost a split to Jared Cannoneers, and then he beat Imovov at light heavyweight. I believe that was a fight to save the card, if I'm not mistaken, which might explain how we got here in general, by the way, guys. Took that fight on, like, no notice to fight Imovov. And then he fight Abu Magomedov, 
who I bet money on, having never seen the man fight before, and no Wikipedia page, which makes me wonder if I'm in any position to honestly judge Sean Strickland at this point. Um, beat his ass, though. Finished him in, like, nine minutes. Um, 27 wins, five losses. Um, I don't uh, know if he said anything homophobic or sexist yet, but I do now find it entertaining that the first female... The first time a female commentator commentates a UFC pay-per-view is when Sean Strickland is in the main event. I, I enjoy that. Um, as I mentioned, the betting odds strongly in Mr. Adesanya's favor. Um, I do not view this as a competitive fight. I The best chance Strickland has is he's just going to outwork Izzy. And Izzy's waiting, or like, you know, maybe they stare at each other, both waiting for counter-strikes. And I don't, that's not even how Sean necessarily strikes. I don't fights necessarily either. But that's, I don't know how he's going to win. So I think Izzy's going to win. And I think he's going to put him out. I assume Sean is not going to be gun shy. Um, he has never shown to be gun shy, Marcus, uh, in my opinion. So I do think he's going to make a mistake and get slept by Adesanya in front of an adoring crowd. Izzy, by the way, Izzy's actual full name is so long. Israel Mobalaji Temetayo Odunayo Oluwafeme Owolabi Adesanya. Fucking awesome. That is a sick name. Um, you practiced? Did you practice that? I'm no, like, I did my best. Impressive. I did my best just reading Wikipedia. Also, apparently it's either Odesanya or Adesanya. And I'm not saying it right at any point. Uh, Marcus, um, you got Izzy also, I'm assuming. But what do you think? Do you think we're going to get a finish here? Or you know, how competitive do you think this is really going to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think it's definitely lining up to be like that. I mean, especially, you know, how Strickland fights. Like you said, like he, he he's a pressure fighter, which will be interesting to see, you know, how Izzy handles that. But I think Izzy's also a fantastic counter striker and is able to find those holes and use his footwork not to get, you know, cornered by Strickland. You know, when Strickland's at his best, it's when he's putting a lot of volume on the opponent where he's overwhelming them. And it's just really hard to see Izzy getting overwhelmed by Sean Strickland. Also, because like, you know, when he's putting on this pressure and this overwhelming, it's not super power shots. It's a lot of it's a lot of shots at you know low and medium velocity that just kind of overwhelms the guy and it's just hard to see izzy in a position where he's getting overwhelmed and he can't use his footwork to get he's trapped against the cage and he's getting pummeled it seems like a very unlikely scenario where a very likely scenario is he's going to be able to find angles he's going to be able to cut corners and you know throw leg kicks and frustrate sean from a distance and then able to put that that finish on and, and I think there's, you know, there is some pressure there for Izzy to do just that. You know, I think sometimes it is hard to finish the opponent when everyone's expecting greatness and everyone's expecting you to have some kind of performance where you're going to make this guy look like, you know, he doesn't belong there. It could be hard to live up to that. So I think Izzy's going to be patient and try to find those openings. But I do feel Sean will present those to him. And I think it is very likely we'll get the finish that he's anticipating. And that's. There's some entertainment there, but I don't think, yeah, like you said, like a competitive fight would be, and and potentially not out of the realm. You know, if if Strickland is able to just pressure forward and Izzy does have a hard time creating the angles and stuff, like, do you really think that's, do you you think that, I mean, I've always thought with Izzy, if you're going to pressure him, you got to do it the way like Vittori or something, at least to like stop, like try to grapple him basically. So he's like, you're in his face and he's like, you got to, I don't, grab a hold of a limb. But I'm kind of thinking like, a He's not gonna do that. fight or something like I, I think mm. potentially there something might I mean I'm not saying it is I'm just saying like maybe it goes that way that would be interesting but otherwise I, I do think he's going to be able to just kind of be patient find find the angle if he I think he's going to chip like, away with him on the outside some more power in those fists would be very helpful 
It's just not that he's pillow fested. Have you seen him finish fights? But he's not like he's gonna, you know, he's not gonna one hit or quit or anybody. He's you got know? he's got a great jab. You know, let's see if he can work behind the jab. I think it's gonna be hard to find the distance. I think he's gonna get leg kicked a lot from the outside. Uh, I think he's gonna get t kicked a lot. Marcus, I'm never gonna forget you and me watching him versus uh, him versus Pereira, where you said if <laughs> like, they're, like you're just like was as long as he doesn't you know just walk forward towards him you know it'll be fine. And then like. Maybe 30 seconds in, you're like, oh, this idiot's getting knocked out. <laughs> like, immediately. Yeah. So maybe he's yeah, learned. I, I, think he'll, <laughs> I don't think he'll be shooting immediately. I think he'll have to get in to do that. Oh, um, if he shoots. That's like, oh, I, I, I get that, like, Izzy's got a, like, a deficiency there. But, like, it's like when Jan was shooting on fucking Pereira at will and he was exhausted. Part of that was altitude. But I'm like, when you fight outside of your own game, you know what I mean? I'm always just like. Fight the way you fight, and either you got the skills yeah. or you don't. And like your his best chance, honestly, is to do his fucking like, you know, be active, work some angles, maybe make adjustments. Don't walk forward in a straight line against the fucking excellent kickboxer. But Mike, when when when, when is uh is, is this guy going to sleep or are we going to decision? I think it'll be a second round uh, KO. Uh, doing the MMA math, they both have a common opponent. Um, looking back at the at the Pajeda fight, um, compared to those two, his his stand up just isn't as good. It's it's very stiff. Um, he can be a little awkward, but I don't think that wasn't really an issue for Pajeda. It's definitely not going to be an issue for for someone like Izzy, and he hasn't really shown himself to have the best fight IQ. So I think that. Izzy takes around just to be safe, and then he'll open up on him in the second. Yeah. Also, um, he has only fought like all. These are like all in the apex. Like a lot. I'm looking at his fights. He has not fought outside of Las Vegas. Um, since November twenty. Oh, wait, since the pandemic. He has not fought outside of Las Vegas, and the only time he fought in front of people and not the Apex is when Pereira put him down in two and a half minutes. So this is a very different thing for him, Mark, like just what he's used to. He's used to fighting in front of no people at this point. He's used to silence, you know, basically. So interesting. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, literally silence because... Not that they were particularly entertaining, a lot of these fights. Um, miraculously, the co-main event. Um, Tai Tuivasa, Alexander Volkov. Um, tai Tuivasa coming off of uh, getting his ass whooped by Sergei Pavlovich in less than a minute. That was a fucked up fight to book. Um, before that, he got knocked out by Cyril Gaon. Um, the last seven fights this man has been involved in ended in KO. Um the first five of those, he did the KOing. The last two, he got KO'd. Um, 14 wins, five losses, 13 wins by knockout, one win by decision. Can anybody guess who's tie one beat by decision? Mm. You'd be surprised. Not sure, actually. Uh, yeah. Arlovsky. Oh, well, now, now I see it because I'm looking <laughs> yeah. at Arlovsky. Remember when Arlovsky's chin was gone? Just saying. Uh, Alexander Volkov. Um, the former, I think he was the Bellator champion. 
I don't know. He won the he he won the he was the Bellator champion. What am I saying? Sure. He was a Bellator sure. champion. Sure. A uh, man of veteran of over forty six fights. He's somehow thirty four years old with forty six fights. Um, he's coming off of two straight wins. Um, Alexander Romanov just looked like shit. I remember that. Just showed up looking fat and shitty. I don't want to be mean, but I am being mean because I was I'd never seen someone so ill prepared for a fight. Uh, before that, he knocked out yeah, Jair Jarzinho Rosenstruck, the biggie boy. Um, won three or four overall, uh, lost to Aspinall in like two and a half minutes, three and a half minutes before that. Betting odds for this one, Mike, um, I have lost it. You got it? I had it up. It is Taizu Ivasa on, uh, BetMGM is a plus 164 underdog to Volkov's minus 198. Who you got, buddy? I have Volkov in this fight. I predict this is going to play out on the feet. Um, Tuivasa has a history as a striker, bunch of knockouts, so does Volkov. I think the difference in this fight, it's going to be Tuivasa's questionable striking defense. He gets he gets hit a lot. And against a guy who has knockouts on his on his record, like Volkov has, I think he has like 25 knockouts of his, of his 36 wins. Um, this could present some problems from Tuivasa. Uh, we've seen Volkov knock out the likes of Rosenstreich in the UFC um, in particular. So I think this would be a stand-up affair, and I think that it will end with Suivasa on the mat. Uh, I forgot to ask you, where are we at with the standings? No problem at all. Um, I'm still in first, but that insurmountable lead that Bobby kept talking about keeps shrinking. And I am 52 and 30. Mark and Chalk are 50 and 32. And you are right behind them at 49 and 33. God damn it, Rose. Um, what are you, talking, you went 0 and 2. Or you went 1 and 2, 1 and 1 also, right? Mark went 2 and 0. I went 1 and 1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to pick Ty here. I was going to talk myself into it about him being at home. But then I looked what happens when he fought, fights at home in the UFC. And uh, he loses half of them. He's two and two in Australia, and he got you know, just saying. So, um, and one of those is a loss to Sergey Spivak, and I'm not feeling that right now, man. Not feeling that right now. And I did not think I I did not like like Ty's approach. I thought the last couple times where like he's just fucking like will me out there. I'll get in a fist fight. Like he's not. He's he's thirty years old, man. Like we don't have to be at the fucking you know like we can still get better. You know what I'm saying, guys? Like, we can still get better here. And I think he can. And I honestly would be, I, I'm not picking him. I'm picking uh, Volkov. But I really do hope Ty goes out there and, like, turns this thing around, Mark. Because I think he can. I think this is a very winnable fight for him. But right now, I find it difficult to pick him. So I'm taking Volkov. What do you got? Yeah, I'm picking Volkov as, as well. Um, I think technically he's going to be a little bit more proficient. And that's really, you know, like you said, Ty could very much win this fight. He has the power. He has the aggression. Um, it's really being able to get Volk against the cage and land some big heavy strikes. I think in open space, um, Volk's going to be able to really control that with his leg kicks, with T-kicks, working the body. You know, I do think he's a little bit more technical when it comes to targeting all areas and throwing his opponents and throwing feints and just being a little bit more methodical when it comes to the stand-up. Um, 
but Ty has the power to, to change the fight, right? And we saw that in the Derek Lewis fight, you know, especially when he gets you up against the cage and he cuts off a lot of those avenues, he can really do a lot of damage. And you saw it in the gone fight, you know, he, he, he almost beat serial gone. Like he landed some big strikes on him, you know, ultimately came up short in that fight. Um, so I, I think the smart money is on Volkanov, but you know, like Ty's a very live dog, you know, he's going to be amped for this fight. I think he's from Sydney. So there's a little extra, you know, pressure maybe or motivation who knows um but he's, from, think, he's from proper sydney actually i think so i oh, thought yeah. that's on the, on the one thing i learned yeah, from the countdown is. was his first fight and his first fight his career was in sydney so it's like he he's finding it like a homecoming we'll see you know i i think skill wise uh volk is just a little higher than him but ty can get it done he has the power to change it and at home you know who knows all right yeah this card uh, falls off a cliff after this um and I would like to lie to you and say that it was ravaged by injuries, but just one fight, really, that we gave two craps about. Um, though, goddamn, it would have helped Mark. Um, Kai Kara France versus uh, Manel Cop. And Mark, was it you who said, man, I like, I keep being told Manel Cop is like a, is really good, but I like to like, yeah, he has a fight. He was a champ. He was a champion in Ryzen, and since coming to the UFC, he hasn't had a lot of fights. It hasn't there hasn't been a ton of success, but I think he's kind of got a couple wins here. Kaikar France would have easily been the biggest name he had. This would have been a great stage for him. Um, but there's always these little, like, he gets injured, the other guy gets injured. He's It's been very infrequent for him, and now he has a late replacement. That, you know, not yeah, going to do much. I read that career, Mr. But, Dos know, Santos, Felipe Dos Santos, is actually, like, just, like, he's going to throw hands with him. Like, this is going to be a fun. This might be the best entertainment, entertaining part of it's, the night. He's 7-0. and It's a huge opportunity. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, those he's got two losses in the UFC so far, Manel. One of them being to the current champion at one at flyweight. So, right. Um, but he also has a fight where he missed weight by four fucking pounds. So, let's tighten it up here, Manel, man. Let's tighten it up. You're 29. You know, calling yourself Starboy is a nickname. Training out of AKA Thailand. I want to see Mike Swick in your corner, just juice to the tits on all the fucking stuff he's on. God bless him. You know, I want him happy. I want Mike Swick happy. Uh, yeah, the rest of this card. And by the way, shout out to Kaikara France making a the correct decision in his life. You know, got got knocked out in training, has got a concussion, is not gonna you know do anything stupid and go out there and fight this quick after that. Mark, I was you know I was when people act like real when the people when this doesn't look like a carnival show and this looks like a real sport, I'm always impressed. You know, just sure. I mean, do you remember like was it like six months ago, seven months ago when Kamzat missed weight by? Like, what was it? Seven pounds? And then the three guys in the top three fights played musical chairs on two days' notice, and they were all fighting different people? In retrospect, it's fucking absurd. Um, it was cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this sport sometimes, man. This sport. Um, I like I liked when the Taffa brothers fight. Uh, this, yeah, one, this one is not going to win. I... I just, you know, I think Austin Lane is too good, you know. Not, you know, I just think he's a more well, he's a more well-rounded fighter, former NFL player. Um, I think, if I'm not remembering the right guy. Yeah, play for the Jaguars, Chiefs, Lions, and Bears. Um, so, just saying, I think he's going to be. I think Mr. Taffa is going to is going to not have the energy after round one. Like all, like the Taffa boys, Mark, you got no, you got to win in the first round. You got to clip them in the first round, or this is going to be a, you know, 
are off. Yeah, they're kind of one and done. They're, yeah. they're exciting fights. I mean, these other two fights, they have name value and they should be fun, short fights. They're just not pay-per-view worthy. So. Yeah, and there's another one somewhere on here. All right, Tyson Pedro. Tyson Pedro fights are fun too. This whole yeah, card, exactly. honestly, my take looking at these fights, this could be about 45 minutes. You know, <laughs> this whole thing. Manel Kopp might take the longest time here. The other four, we could just knock them out. Okay, and um, just checking, because uh, the word on the street is, by the way, Bellator. I forgot to mention this. Bellator is going to be sold for around $500 million, is the idea, um, to PFL. PFL just took on a lot of money from Saudi investors. Um, there are external threats to the UFC right now that we have not seen in quite some time, guys, between the lawsuit and, you know, Look, we saw it in golf. I'm not sure, Mark, how much you paid attention to this, but you could the Saudis can just buy a sport real quick. I've heard I've heard about the golf thing. Yeah. I don't know much. I mean, I think the that. FTC might honestly, Mike, I think the FTC might break that shit up. If I the I think basically, the the live uh, yeah, PGA, basically like the more I read about uh, it, I think, you know, it depends it depends who's president in two years, I guess, too, and their feelings on, you know, antitrust and stuff and regulations. But we'll see. Um, Bellator doesn't have a card in the books until the end of September with Johnny Eblen and uh, Fabian Edwards. And um, MMA Junkie needs to tell me the one cards, man, because I quite frankly enjoy one championship more than I like. No, it's every week, Bob. Every week. Oh, I sent you that one knockout. I was like, the guy uh, knocked the other guy out. I'm not sure if I sent it to you, Mike. The guy got hit with a, I want to say, left hook. And the referee dove on the mat to put his hand underneath him, like palm his head as he was like, as you would be yelling timber in this moment. Let's put it that way. Um, like at it, that in Bob, I mean, and I told you, and it's like it, does, it does, that doesn't happen every week. But like every week, I watch the highlights for one, mm -hmm. and every week they're fucking barn burners. <laughs> like every time, I'm like, damn, there's so much good shit going on on One FC. Like I really should be paying way more yeah, attention. Well, but like, I think there was two weeks ago there was a fight. It was a Muay Thai fight. There was five downs. One guy got knocked down two got two times. The other guy not, got knocked down three times back and forth. It was just like some of the fights they have is insane like how good they i are. know the one that people um, that they're leading up to is actually the one at the end of september uh, one of their biggest stars uh, my girlfriend's favorite fighter in one she's got one stamp fairtex um because mm -hmm. stamp likes to dance stamp puts on a show sure stamp, stamp comes out and be twerking man stamp's putting on a show for you um and uh john lineker's on that court a uh, card so is uh edward foliang they got some good fighters on that one and i think it's a uh, amazon one i hope so um, I would like sure, to watch yes, it. That's the, the problem, man. Are. If it's not on Amazon One, me watching it in a timely hour is kind of tough. It's it, it, They're usually always Friday morning. So I'll wake up at like 5 in the morning to get ready for work or 6 in the morning. It's like, oh, it's on now. <laughs> their fights are going There's on. There's been right a couple of times I've been so. walking my dog and I'll just be on my, like, you told me you're watching something and I'll be on my phone just like, yep, that's happening right now. Um, yep. All right, stuff we like. Um, so uh, I talked about wrestling last week where All In happened. AEW put 81,000 people in Wembley Arena. And then backstage during that fight, during that pay-per-view, CM Punk managed to get himself in yet another physical altercation. Um, the sad part is before he turned it into a fight, he was probably not wrong in general, uh, telling the kid not to go through real glass and stuff like that, but whatever. Um, you're not allowed to hit people, and you also can't lunge at your boss. Um... Honestly, Mike, a lot of it felt like this dude was trying to get fired. Just my two cents. Um, and uh, they fired so him. So that's what, that's what Tony meant by uh, 
like for the it first time in like 30 years that he actually felt um worried for his own safety yeah uh, Meltzer said I used the word lunge in the newsletter and I was being kind to to Phil to punk wow so there's by the way this is not like the other fight he got into people not familiar with the CM Punk got in a different fight backstage a couple years ago with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Christopher Daniels and his trainer not, not a couple years ago last year Oh, fuck me. Brawl Out was last year. Literally last year. Brawl Out is what they called it, man. Brawl. Yeah. Th this year was Brawl In. Brawl Out was last year. But like, so this time though, they had no, there was in a locker room that fight. This one though, they did it. It happened in, uh, wrestling calls it the gorilla position. It's the position where the guy running the show, in this case, Tony Khan, and the wrestlers, and they all converge is where the show's kind of run from right before they go on stage. And in Wembley Arena or Wembley Stadium, that is also the spot where they interview the soccer players. So there's a lot of cameras there already set up. There's also a lot of some, um I think they call it CCTV in the UK in England, their surveillance cameras there. So this is all on video. Um there was also a story how Punk got into it with William Regal like a year and a half, like two years ago for no reason. So like I don't like it's not a good sign when Kevin Nash calls you, says that you need to get mental help. And you like like come off as a bit of a bully, which all these motherfuckers came up in an era of everybody being the shittiest people in the world to each other, which is kind of funny. Um, whole thing bummed me out to be honest, Mike, because I always been a CM Punk guy. Kind of makes me sad how he couldn't get his shit together here. But he's a carny. This is wrestling. He'll be in WWE soon enough. Uh, Survivor Series is in Chicago, so. Two months, two and a half months. Just saying, just saying. Um, the damn but, shame as well, just because, like, you know, he he had gotten a second chance in AEW, and cannot deny that he was being pushed. Um, they were giving him everything I think he wanted. That Saturday show was basically his. It was a good show uh, too, and he just couldn't keep his fucking hands to himself, like. You know, Jungle Boy's, you know, the young guy. You're supposed to be the one that, like, doesn't fly off the handle. Like, let the kid go through real glass if if you, if that's what he wants to do. Let me tell you, man, being, uh, him being so thin-skinned also and dealing with a bunch of trolls the way the Young Bucks can be. Like, Young Bucks are professional trolls, man. They will needle you left and right if they have to. This time, though, I don't think there's any excuse. Um, regardless, the, uh, the uh, AEW booked another pay-per-view for this weekend. This one was all out. It was in Chicago. First off, much respect for them announcing that they fired this motherfucker before the pay-per-view, the day before the pay-per-view. They didn't want anybody confused about what they were buying on Saturday night. Um, Mike, real talk. This is one of the best shows they ever put on, on, on the air. Um, they hit a home run in basically every match. Um, they set up. And teased MJF versus Samoa Joe Mike, which is if that's what we see in three weeks in New York, I can't emphasize enough how happy I will be. Is it even three weeks? Is it two and a half weeks? Two and a half weeks. Uh, two and a half weeks. Two and a half yeah. weeks. Be thrilled. Um, Brian Danielson, because CM Punk is a fucking child, had to come back early to fight, uh, to wrestle. And he wrestled Ricky Starks in one of the best... That was incredible. It was so good. Ricky Starks is a goddamn star. 
uh, Brian heaped praise on him after the match saying that this kid carried me. He says, I was not ready. And he carried me through that match. And Mike, it was so good. They beat the fuck out of each other. It was a strap match. They were just wailing on each other with this thing, man. It did not look pleasant to get hit with this thing. Um, that was so good. Um, Kenny made Takashita. Went 30 minutes with him. Lost clean to Takashita. You know? Kid tried to cheat. Didn't need to. Kenny put him over big. That was awesome. And then Moxley and Orange Cassidy was almost beautiful, to be honest, for a guy who had a title reign of 31 defenses. And then the the cheers, because it looked like he needed a break. Orange Cassidy is more is more uh, athletic tape than human at this point. So um, when he lost and then they... Moxley was putting him over so big and Moxley was on the stage with his teammates pointing over like at the back at Mox at uh, Orange Cassidy in the ring like this fucking guy was so tough, you know, type shit. Um, the crowd showering OC with cheers was so great. Wonderful pay-per-view. Um, a lot of times it feels like when AEW's back against is against the wall, the performers really come through. Um, and they really did. It was good. And um, the single... One of my favorite things that's ever happened in wrestling happened when Miro faced Pride of the East, Pride of of of, of, of Oakland, Pride of the East Bay, Will Hobbs, and uh, a lot of wrestling fans are familiar with the. I guess is it a meme? Is everything a meme, Mike? Is it considered a meme? The Big E thing, the big meaty man slapping meat thing. Uh, yeah, I would say so. So, WWE wrestler Big E co- famously commented that his favorite wrestling matches are just big dudes fighting. Or as he referred to it, big meaty men slapping meat. And this fight was, this match was that, and the people of Chicago had some of the best chants um, I'd ever heard in any uh, any wrestling thing. I sent it to Mark. I think the matches, I the ones we heard were just meat. Anytime anybody hit anybody, just meat, meat, meat. There was slap the meat. This is meat. Let's go meat. And finally, meet forever. Um, made a very average match. Excellent. So yeah, I've been rambling for a while. I love the show. I thought they did such a good... I like, thought it was a better show than All In. All In was a bigger spectacle, but in terms of actual, like, what I saw, it was so cool. And uh, Chris Stanlander, Statlander came out dressed as Zoolander, and Ben Stiller uh, tweeted her back and, t- and said that... Uh, just wrote, ridiculously good looking to the picture of her dressed as him. So that was cool. So that was a really good show. Um, Mike, what do you have this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, one small thing I wanted to add about the CM Punk thing. It's uh, something I saw on Twitter uh, circulating about it was a clip from September of 2021. Uh, I think when uh, Adam Cole was uh, facing Jungle Boy and... CM Punk in the clip when he's on commentary says, if you have a problem with Jungle Boy, there's a problem with you. <laughs> Man, things went so bad. So, dude, I, I, you know what? I'm happy we saw him. I, I'm happy we yeah. saw him wrestle. I'd seen him wrestle once before. Mark and I and Stefan went to SummerSlam 2011, I want to say, when Mark was working for a video game website called Destructoid. Um... I think you got invited because of 2K, right? One of the 2K games, Marcus, is how it worked out. They sent you mm-hmm. there. They're doing a preview. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, um, I was happy we saw CM Punk wrestle live. That was fun. Seeing you know, seeing him wrestle in 2022 when we went. Um, yeah, seeing so, him win uh, the championship. Yeah, so stuff like this. I'm just happy I saw it. So, you know, maybe he goes back to WWE, gets a little run, faces John Cena, faces Roman, makes another big check, paycheck, and then goes home. So it seems it seems like what he has to just do is just not talk to anyone. That seems just, to be his issue. What do they say? If you if you run into one asshole, okay, but if like if everybody you run into is an asshole, you're the asshole or something. What's that? I'm butchering the line. But if everybody's a fucking asshole, then maybe you're the asshole. You know, that's that's it. But uh, did you have anything else, Mike? Um, yeah, just a quick thing. I started watching the Conjuring movies because on September eighth, The Nun two is coming out, and it's interest it interested me enough. That I'm like, you know what? Uh, let me go watch these horror movies. I'm not great at watching horror movies either. Um, my girlfriend makes fun of me all the time because she loves watching horror movies. Uh, but my way of watching them is that when I can see a scary parts coming, I'll play around like, oh, let me get on my phone. I need to go look at something on the Internet. Um, <laughs> so she always makes fun of me for that. But even with that said, I watched the first and second movies uh, with her today. And uh, they're they're very enjoyable. Um, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are at least in the first two movies. Uh, they're pretty good in it. I don't know if they're in the third one that I'll likely watch later on this week. But, you know, if you like horror movies, uh, give that a shot. You're a better partner than I am, man. My girlfriend loves horror movies and I'm just not as... I do not. That's not my thing. <laughs> I'm not a horror movie guy on any level. Um, Marcus, what do you got this week, brother? Uh, yeah, a couple gaming things. Um, so last week, or I don't, I think it came out late last week. Um, Starfield came out for Xbox and PC. Um, that's Bethesda's new game. It's the, their first original IP in like 25 years. Um, and kind of got out to, I mean, I think the general consensus is like fairly positive, but then some, you know, Bethesda games are these big open world RPGs where there's just like a lot going on. They're usually riddled with bugs and, you know, word on the street is like this has very few like game breaking bugs. It has some glitches and stuff, but nothing that's going to like, you know, totally tank your game or um, anything like that. And, you know, there are some aspects of the game that might have been overblown, but overall, it seems like people are really enjoying it. I think it looks really cool. Um, I don't have the platforms to play it on, but I'm definitely, you know, if I, if I had a PC or an Xbox, I'd definitely give check it out. I've I've always enjoyed, you know, Bethesda games, the Fallouts and the the Elder Scrolls. Um, later this week, uh, Baldur's Gate three is going to launch on uh, PlayStation five, and I did see some videos where, you know, it's not running super great on PS five. I guess it, it cannot keep a stable sixty frames per second, which I guess shouldn't be too surprising. And Mike got, you know, a high end PC just so it could it could run really well. I've heard other people that have been playing it on PC. Where it has a little hiccup because it is just a powerhouse, especially when you're um, doing split screen, like local co-op, I think is really where it dips into like the 40s. Or I think it, I think at that point, when you're doing split screen, it, it jumps to a stable 30 frames per second, which I think for a turn-based game like that, 30 frames isn't as bad. You know, when you're looking at like racing games or fighting games, you know, having 60 frames per second is definitely beneficial. Um, it's a little bit smoother and stuff like that. But um, I think for a game like this, you can kind of get away with it and not jeopardize too much. 
um, you know, what makes that game unique, which is its writing and stuff. I don't think it's going to suffer too much from having a lower frame rate. Um, and then it probably needs to be said, PlayStation Plus did increase its uh, annual uh, price from $60 a year to $80, um, you know, without any message to the community of why they're increasing price or if the service is going to get better. Um, so I think it just pissed off a lot of people. And it's one of those things where, you know, PlayStation Plus being required for a lot of games to play online is a real sticking point. You know, um, if you are a Call of Duty fan or something like that, it's like, well, now I'm paying more. What is my extra money getting for the service? I mean, you do get the Nothing. free games or whatever, but those those are all over the place, right? Some months are stronger than others. Very rarely do we get brand new games. So if you are someone that, you know, has the the financial income to to get the games that you want you know you end up only getting games that may not really interest you that much that you just throw in your library regardless um so where's the value there you know and especially when you look at other platforms and, and what you get for their subscription services you know you start just to uh, like, well you know just a tip real quickly before you continue um you can still snag and apparently we should have done this last week mark because the price went up, you can grab what is an, a, normally an $80 one-year subscription on CD keys for $70. Last week, it was $60. I don't think the... Okay, because did the price just... Go, I can't remember when they announced the price. You can't, well, you, you up, can't um, stack right now. You can't just buy more okay. PlayStation, like... Yeah. You can't buy the, more right now, so you got to buy somewhere else. Two is, like... I mean, look, it is, it is a price increase, and it sucks. It does go on sale. Um, I mean... Bob, me and Bob got like a three year subscription for like 140 bucks a couple years ago. It's so like the, there are deals, and I, I imagine by Black Friday, you might be able to find it again for 60 bucks or maybe less. Who knows? Um, but it, it, it's asking a lot, right? It, or just don't get it and just see how your life is for a couple weeks and then see if you need yeah. it again. How about that? <laughs> but the thing is, is like if there, there are some people that like they only play games online, like yeah. I play Call of Duty online, like that, that is why I have a console this is like the video game i play without playstation plus like there's no point for me i can't play off like the games i play don't play offline so i have to be is the reason people all these people just don't go to pc gaming is it because i guess the games don't get there that fast is that the logic i, it, I mean there, there's a lot of different reasons why you might not i mean PC, pcs usually cost more up front yeah. right if you want to have a good rig and a good graphics card and and to really build it up and, and, and to be quality it could cost you you know significantly more than you know a, a playstation 5 which is just 500 um but then you're not paying that that fee to play online then you're absolutely right and then you know i, I personally for me like i don't play a lot of pc games because i really just i hate configuring stuff i have gotten so annoyed buying a game and being like i, I started up it's like my drivers I, I get an error i gotta go on a message board figure out what the error is about the error is about my drivers aren't updated so i gotta update my drivers and then there's this and that and it's just with console, it's a little more, more plug and play. It's a little yeah, I more, it. I, I think, user friendly. So I mean, they haven't gotten yet to aspects. the point where it's a viable. I mean, for enough people, it's not a viable enough alternative, huh? Well, I mean, I think ultimately, like, if you don't mind dealing with some of that PC, like PC is a fantastic platform. It is awesome. I mean, because it could play everything. It's, I mean, backwards compatible is not a thing. It just you can run different operating systems. You can emulate stuff, mods no online steam i mean there's a plethora of reasons why pc gaming has a lot of advantages and there's a lot of great reasons why people do and if you are someone that's like i need to get the best out of my games i want 120 frames per second you know th those are things that you can achieve on pc where you can't on a closed system like a console right it's like you get what you get here 
if it's going to run at 30 frames, you're shit out of luck. You know, I can't buy a better graphics card and throw it into my PS5 and try to get, you know, 60 frames when a game won't allow it. So th- there's just a, a lot of trade off there. But this is, you know, when you're when you're tied into an ecosystem, you kind of have to play ball with, you know, Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo. And if they say, hey, it's 80 bucks a year to play online, you're shit out of luck. It's either you do it or you don't. And you have to address that with your dollar. So um, that's going on. And the last thing, um, I mean, it's not something I like this week. I'll probably like it in a month. Um, but uh, we signed a lease on a new place. So we have to move. Oh, shit. I hate moving. But um, moving sucks. Our new place is going to be but mazel top, brother. Yeah, moving's, yeah, moving is always the worst. Packing everything up, we've already started. But um, there's still a lot still to pack. But once you're in the new place, the new place is, you know, it's an upgrade from where we are now. So it's going to be really great. So that'll be nice. Got it. Got to hit up our buddy. Get some of those Costco boxes. It's the key to moving. Costco Apple we got boxes. boxes. I'm not worried about boxes. It's putting the stuff in the I box. Don't know. Getting the boxes over there. I I think the key to moving now is just hire a mover. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mover a truck. Yeah. But it's just packing. I just hate it. But whatever. We we'll got some people around here. We at this point, you know, I'm assuming Mark's going to use one of them. We have a couple moving people at this point. We have some faith in. So hopefully sure. we can get it snagged, get that handled. Um. All right, we're going to be back next week, folks, um, where we are going to um, preview what they were referring to as UFC Noche, um, otherwise known as UFC Fight Night Grasso versus Shevchenko 2, in what has one of the worst posters you'll ever see. If you look at the faces of these women, they have done them dirty on a level that is just cruel. I sent this the one I sent to you, Mark, a few weeks ago, where I'm like, why do they look like that? It looks like they are made of clay. Um, it's pretty awful. Um, we'll talk about that, but it's quite frankly, uh, I'm, I'm saying you, man, Shavkat needs an opponent. Ponzinibbio needs an opponent. Just have them fight each other. They're both welterweights. Let's, I, I may not be great for Ponzinibbio, but you know, these guys pay for trainers. Let's get them a fight, right? You know, let's get them a check. Um, until next week though, uh, let's see if we got ourselves into middleweight champion. Um, a small part of me hope it's ha- hopes it happens because the UFC deserves this. <laughs> <laughs> the UFC deserves to have It'd Sean be Strickland. It'd be crazy to have Sean Strickland as one of their champions. Send Sean Strickland to ESPN, please. Just send him on a couple interview shows. Be great. Mm. Oh, um, they're gonna show UFC five at this uh, pay per view, so that's exciting. I oh, they're gonna show like that. the trailer. Yeah, well, show something. They um, they had a preview event, uh, I guess, for media like last week, and I mean, it, it's on the advertisements for this UFC. Like, they're gonna show a trailer or something. God, I hope it's decent because the last game really. Let me Do people down. like I mean, these? Honest season, question. People like these games. Like, I don't know if it's just like, a lot of times we complain about this company, and I don't know if it's just us in the echo chamber of like. I, I don't want people get like into this it, stuff like, too much. I mean, the striking in the last game was really good. The ground game is atrocious. Like the ground and pound, there's like there's certain aspects of these games that just like really need a lot of work. Um, and word on the street is it's going to be M rated, so it's going to be more violent. Um, it's going to have a new submission system. It looks better. It's going to be only on this next gen console, so PS5. Wh- and which Xbox, one is considered to, to have PC. had the? Uh, before we end this real quickly, who? Uh, which game was yeah. considered to have a good submission of all the ones they put out? The as UFC oh. games. Because uh, the, the ones the, I the, the, the ones the I liked. Ones? I'm not sure if they were considered good, but I yeah, thought I mean, like I the always, THQ like, I mean, ones. Undisputed three was yeah, yeah, it was always our favorite. Yeah, I, I thought, don't know. I don't know if the EA I think EA ES- ones have. I think I've always been 
decent. Like I, I'll have a decent amount of fun with them, but they just I think didn't the have, have the, the last. No, I think the THQ made better games than them. Yeah. I think I think I, the, I think THQ Undisputed Two was better than all these EA games, and I think Three was great. Three was a lot of fun, man. Was Three the one we went yeah. to Pride? Yeah, it was Pride. That was the best so we'll, part. We'll, we'll see. The best part. Um, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm ex- I'm excited to see improvement. So. Fingers crossed. Right on. Okay, we'll be back next week. We're going to see what we think of this game. We're going to see if there's a new middleweight champion. Nothing else really is relevant. It's going to probably happen. Tie my drink beer out of a shoe. Um, and then we're going to preview... Um, don't put hot sauce in it this time. Um, and then we're going to preview UFC Noche and see who thinks that Alexa Grasso is going to hang on because the odds makers do not. Um, we'll see what Mike and Mark think. And me. What you guys probably can guess where I am. Because it's Valentina Shevchenko. Um, Till then, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was Mr. Lavender Gooms in his beautiful pink shirt. See y'all next week. Peace out. That wasn't a slight. I actually liked the shirt. I wasn't trying to be insulting in any way. No, no, no. You're fine. It comes off a little pink. The flower print might on camera look no i think just the contrast of like the orange line of his chair makes it seem more like pop more pinkish to me just say enough just say enough um all right thanks everybody appreciate it peace goodbye